and only because Mrs. Ferraro likes me. Everything else might as well be advanced nuclear physics. Besides, lately our unified focus has been on the upcoming spring fling dance, and not next week's homework. With the dance only days away, as in three, it seems a lot more urgent than an English essay on Animal Farm. Tonight, though, I'd rather talk about homework, or beauty products, or swarms of killer jellyfish, anything other than the thing she's asking me about. I fumbled the plan. Again. The last thing I need right now is Shannon telling me one more time that you're a coward, Lily Sanderson. I'm a coward. Son of a swordfish. I give my tail fin a flick, sending the key lime bath salts sloshing up over my shoulders. This is the same admonition I've heard every week for the past three years. You'd think I'd get tired of hearing it, suck up my courage, and get it over with. But the trouble is, she's right. I am a coward, especially where Brody Bennett is concerned. We mermaids are a cowardly bunch. Keeping our existence a total secret makes cowardice pretty much a necessity— If we don't flee fast enough at the first sign of a passing ship, we might end up on the cover of next week's flash paper. We're more of an escape-now-ask-questions-later kind of species. But with Brody, it's like I take my flight response to a whole new level of spinelessness. I can make all the plans in the world, be fully ready to follow through, and then, the instant he's within sight, I totally clam up. I'm lucky if I'm able to breathe, let alone tell him how I feel. Hormones are cruel like that. Still, the constant reminder of her cowardice can drive a girl to the edge. For a second, half a second, really, I consider blurting out the one thing I know will derail her lecture permanently. But I've heard the stories. I know what happens when a human finds out a mermaid is a mermaid. I love Shannon like a sister, but I can't take that risk. I can't put myself, my family, and my entire kingdom in jeopardy for the sake of avoiding an unpleasant conversation. No matter how badly I want to confess, my duty comes before our friendship. Shannon would understand. So, instead of blurting out my dirty little secret— Actually, not so dirty at the moment, since my fins are currently gleaming green and gold in the salty water. I resort to the pathetic truth. I tried, Shan. My head drops back against the porcelain tub with a well-deserved thud. Really, I did. This time, I was super, super close. I took a deep breath, said his name, and... And what? Quince Fletcher threw a wad of paper at my forehead. It had taken every last ounce of my self-control, and the dismissal bell, to keep from leaping out of my seat, apologizing to Brody as I vaulted over him, and pummeling Quince into seaweed salad. Merfolk are a peaceful people, but that boy makes me wish I had free reign of Daddy's trident for a good five minutes. I fantasized some pretty creative ways to shut Quince up. That dog, Shannon says. 
You'd think it was his self-appointed mission to make your life miserable. I know, right? I rubbed the shower poof absently over my scales. Why does he even bother? I mean, it's like his two hobbies are working on that disaster of a motorcycle and tormenting me. Thing is, I don't even know why he is so devoted to tweaking me on a near-constant basis. It's not like I've ever done anything to him, other than move into the house next door. At first, we were almost friends, until he started treating me like the enemy. Boys aren't nearly so confusing in the ocean. He needs to... A beep-beep interrupts Shannon's response. Diversify. Hold on. I wiggle myself into a semi-sitting position. There's another call. Aunt Rachel got tired of my bathwater frying the circuits of the upstairs phone about three phones ago. The latest...